Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in? All right, let's go. God bless you. Have a seat. I, you know what? God loves shameless audacity. He does. Um, in, in the book of Luke, chapter number 11, uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray and how to ask big and how to pray with big faith. And so what he did is like, well, they, we, saying, we want to know how to do this. Jesus said, okay, let me tell you this story. So he told them this story. You're going to love the story. Okay, okay, listen here. It says, Jesus said to them, okay, suppose you have a friend. And this is on the screens here. So I'm telling you what the Bible says. This is proof right here. You can look it up on your own. And you go to him at midnight and say, hey, friend, loan me, lend me three loaves of bread and a friend of mine is on this journey who came to me. And I don't have any food to offer him. And suppose the one inside, the friend, says, Don't bother me. The door's locked. My children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. Of course, he texts it back to him. But he says, look at this. But he, tells, he says this. Jesus says, I tell you, even though he will not give up and give you bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity. Say those two words. Shameless audacity. Come on, say it again. Shameless audacity. He will get up and give you as much as you need. Do, do you see that? Jesus said prayer, prayer in faith is like that. In, in other words, what's amazing is God responds to persistent, faith-filled, shamelessly audacious prayers. He does. Last Sunday, I was challenging you uh, on something we called our 5X challenge, where we're beginning to define and pray with faith uh, in some areas of your own life. And if you missed last Sunday's message, I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most important messages of this year. Uh, they, you say, well, how do I listen to it? Well, there's a billion ways to listen. You can go to our website or just find my Facebook profile, and, and I think two or three posts down, I have the, the direct link to it. You can listen to it right off of Facebook from me. But, but you really need to hear last week's message, and I'm very serious about that. Uh, because we, we initiated this 5X Faith Challenge. It's a unique time for us. And I explained that in the message. But, but first of all, there are, there are a couple of components to our faith prayers. And one is what I'm calling our 5X Faith Visions for your house. That means for your life. Uh, I, I kind of lift, lift three categories here. You and your family and your business. Just some 5X Faith Visions. And what I'm asking everyone in this church to do for now and for the next couple weeks, we're going to keep praying and thinking about this, but consider two to three areas of your life where you believe that God can bring a five times increase over the next two years. I don't know what it's going to be, but I think it'll be there for you. I want you to dream and pray about what two or three 5X faith prayers will be. And in a couple weeks, I'm going to ask you actually to write them down and share them with me. And what I want to do is, is I want to combine my faith-filled, audacious, shameless faith with yours regarding your 5X faith visions for your house. I've also shared last Sunday some of our corporate 
faith-filled, shameless, audacious faith visions for our house. City Life is, is called our house, and, and it's what I believe that God could do at City Life between, uh, between now and the end of 2018, over the next two years. And these 5X faith visions for our house is five times congregational growth. This means that City Life would become the home to a lot of people who are broken and who are hurting and who are being shunned at other churches or who are discovering faith in Jesus or coming out of a dark past and they're going to find relationships with Jesus in this house. 5X faith for City Life simply means that we'd have a thousand people in our weekend services. And I say, that's huge. But really, we've actually seen 10X growth over the past five years. And this allows us to be well poised to acquire additional property and grow our seating capacity so that we continue to reach more people. The second 5X prayer for faith prayer that we have for City Life Center is 5X outreach growth. This means, and we can actually do this through our budget, is that when we set up our 2019 budget, which we would be setting up two years from now, it would actually re reflect a 5X increase in our dollars designated for outreach and missions. And the third area is what I actually get most excited about, and that's 5X kingdom growth. And that's salvation responses and water baptisms in our church. And I really want to see that increase, increase 5X. And I'd love it if it increased 10x by the end of 2018, which means more people are getting plucked out of hell and getting their feet set on this destination toward heaven. And so we have a strategy for our 5x faith dreams for your house and for our house as a church, and it's based on what Jesus said in Matthew 6, which is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. And what we're, so what we're doing here is we're going to press into Jesus like never before by being extravagant worshipers and being generous givers. And, uh, and, and I would like for you just to really consider this about giving any type of a seed harvest and, and to put some seed and plant that seed. We're as, I'm asking you to consider 5X seed gifts, which are dreams initiated through seed and and because we, when we plant seed that's what initiates the dream uh, next month I'm going to be asking uh, well I'm going to ask all of us to consider planting financial seed expecting that 5x harvest for your house and for our house uh, part of it is a goal of five, uh, $50,000 to be sown through this congregation uh, by the year end. And it's going to go three places. Our missions, which is investing in expanding our missions ministry, both locally and internationally. Our property, which is reducing the real estate debt and to prepare to enlarge our footprint here in Fort Worth. And then the third area is our city, which is investing in locally vetted compassion ministries that are touching the hurting in Fort Worth. Now, guys, I want you to hear me well. I'm not a manipulator. And so I'm not asking you to give toward this at, you know, at this point. Because what we're asking is, is just you know, huge faith prayers. And I don't want us just to jump into it foolishly. But I, if, you'd like, uh, if you'd like to, I just really encourage you to feel free to, to, to in just hear from God on this. And I'm going to lead you in a time of commitment and of giving next month. You can start giving now if you'd like to. I have, I've begun, but, but the truth is I, I'm going to lead you in this time of this next month. And in, but in the meantime, I just ask you to pray regarding what God wants you to commit, regarding what your 5X dreams will be for your house, and also the 5X seed that you'd want to plant. Well, today I'm starting a new series called I Am Free, and it is a, it is a study of the New Testament book of Galatians. Now, I'm actually going to go through this book, and I, I'm not going to read it all word for word, but, but I've, I've read it over and over and over and done a lot to prepare for this, and I encourage you to read it. In fact, one of my motivations for teaching through this book of the Bible is, is I want to show you that the Bible is practical. 
And I want to help you to understand it practically and be able to apply it personally. So that's why we're doing this. I, really what it does is it builds your faith. As we study the scriptures, it always builds your faith. When we listen, we understand, and we apply what the Bible says, we actually cause our faith to grow, which means we grow spiritually. Romans 10, 17, Paul says, he says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so here's my big goal in this series, is that your faith will increase. Because God doesn't want you to continue to operate on the same level where you are today. No matter how wonderful it is, God wants you to operate on a new level of faith because there's just so much more for you and for me. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to the book of Galatians and flip over to Galatians chapter 2. We'll start at verse 15. We're going to jump around to some scriptures there that I want you to look at. You see, I, I love this word freedom. Um, as a nation, we're free to worship. We have freedom to start businesses. We have freedom to elect our leaders. As a church, we, uh, we also have something that we call all, our culture of freedom. That's, that's an intentional culture of freedom that we have here. We talk about that in our partnership lunch, so if you've not yet been there, that's, that's where you need to go. You need to go and hear about that. But freedom is actually foundational to how, I guess you'd say, we even operate as a local church. But freedom is a tricky thing. Now, see, you can have freedom at one moment, but then if you give it up, you put yourself into bondage. And we've, that, that, that happens in all different places at all different times, in nations and in organizations and, and individuals. When you give up your freedom, you put yourself into bondage. It can happen to a church. And really, that's why we're looking at the book of Galatians because it happened to a bunch of churches. Um, now, now, I do want to give you some background so you can get this. Galatians was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, it's called an epistle. Some people think that an epistle is the wife of an apostle. But Paul wasn't married, so it's, Paul had an epistle, but he actually had a lot of epistles. has nothing to do with concubines or anything, uh, like our earlier discussion. But, but the, Paul actually had written this letter. So a letter written by an apostle is called an epistle. So that's your, your cool fact of the day. But he wrote this letter to a group of churches in Galatia, which is today's modern-day Turkey. Uh, if it was written to us, um, the book would be called Texans. You know, I, I, I would kind of like that. Please open your Bible to the book of Texans. All right. Any howdies out there? Of course, Paul would say howdy as, as he introduced himself to us. The book of, wouldn't you love the book of Texans? I would like it. Yeah, I would. So, but, but Paul wrote this letter, and, uh, and, and he wrote this letter, and, and he was really one of the most famous guys in the New Testament. He started off as what's called a Pharisee, so basically a Pharisee is a legalistic, hate-filled bigot. <laughs> uh, he, he oversaw the persecution, the imprisonment, and even the execution of Christians, but he was radically transformed by Jesus, and then 17 years later, about 17 years later, he became the leading and even the most influential Christian leader of his time. See, Paul, what he was is he was this church-planting missionary. He would go and start churches, and then he would release the leadership to a local pastor, and he would stay in touch with them, and he would guide them and, and help them and write to them, occasionally visit them. Uh, but, but he was really responsible for this huge explosion of, of, of church growth, you know, 5X, 10X, 20X, uh, across this Roman province of Galatia. But see, behind him came some other traveling preachers. 
And they heard about the churches there. And so these traveling preachers would go from congregation to congregation and they started teaching extra stuff to the people in these congregations that Paul never taught. And what's worse is the people were listening to him and they were doing what these preachers were saying. Now, they didn't have the New Testament back at that time like we do, so they didn't really have any basis to say, well, is this right or is this wrong? In fact, it's, it's, this is a cool fact. This letter, it's actually believed that this particular letter, the letter of Galatians, was possibly the very first book of the New Testament to even be written. So the pastors of this congregations, of all the congregations out there, they would, they, would, they would read this letter and then they would pass it along to another congregation. They would publicly read it from congregation to congregation. And really, this is actually how the New Testament originated. Churches learned how to do church from these letters that we still have in the New Testament. But, but see, what had happened is the local churches in this, in this region, they were turning away from freedom. And they were turning their back on something called grace. And they were embracing a bunch of crazy rules. And it was causing their churches to, to descend into a very rigid form of legalism. See, they were faith-filled followers of Jesus. Now they had become rule-bound, faithless, dead followers of a religious system. See, they had all these new rules. You had to eat only certain foods. <laughs> Wouldn't you love it if you went to church and say, sorry, you guys all have to eat vegan. And some of you would go, thank you, God, it's about time. Others of you say no. But that's what they were doing. They would say, you, you, you have to celebrate these certain holidays. And, and you know, if you're going to be a real Christian, you've got to do this. And they, okay, the, the, these guys, these crazy preachers, were going so far, and they were preaching in these church services and telling the men, guys, you're all going to have to go have surgery. You're going to need to get circumcised. And, uh, and if you don't, you're actually not really saved and you don't love Jesus. So they were essentially passing out these bumper stickers to all the guys to put on their trucks which says, real Christians get circumcised, you know? And yeah. So, but it was kind of weird because all of a sudden the men mysteriously started dropping out of church. And then there's these other men like, well, I, I, I love Jesus. And so they would prove their love for God by getting surgery. And now they're all of a sudden much more spiritual when they go to church. Isn't that crazy? I, I know you're thinking, okay, that's crazy. Uh, but yeah, but see what was happening is rules were taking over and grace was going away. Get that? Now, unfortunately, here's the truth. There's still a lot of people and there are a lot of churches who are legalistic in their approach to the worship of Christ. And they try to impose a variety of rules over grace. Why does that happen? Well, really, I would say it's our nature, I guess you could say, to make it hard to get into the kingdom of God because our human logic tells us that it's impossible and you certainly have to do more than just give yourself to Christ. It has to be more. So we create rules. Now, maybe we don't create rules to the degree that was happening with the churches in Galatia. I hope not. But, uh, but, but we do, churches do, and Christians do a lot of times, we create these little hoops for people to jump through. It's like one of the things I say, okay, jump through the hoop. Okay, jump through 15 hoops. Okay, you might be a good Christian now. So, so Paul, what he did is he wrote this passionate defense of true Christianity. So you need to read Galatians for yourself. Today we're really taking a synopsis of, of Galatians 1 and 2. So I want to tell you what happened in these chapters. Uh, Paul was absolutely ticked off. He was 
livid and he was angry. Uh, basically, he, he, he let them know that, that these churches, telling them that, hey, you guys have basically fallen under a hex. You've been bewitched because you've accepted this different kind of a gospel of Jesus, which really isn't even a gospel at all. You've rejected Jesus by doing this. He was telling them they were abandoning their faith and their grace in Jesus and basically saying, it, you, serving God doesn't even require faith anymore, so what's the, what's the use of even doing this? Because you're choosing rules over grace. See, what Paul had done is he had went to great measure to travel to Jerusalem earlier to meet with the central church government and with the apostles. And he explains in here that, that he wanted to make sure his approach to grace versus legalism was correct. And so it launched into this huge meeting, and the leadership basically said, Paul, what you're saying is okay. And they blessed him to continue and to grow his work up in that area of Galatia with the Gentiles. Uh, today, we call that big meeting the Jerusalem Council. It was the first time they came together to discuss how do we do this thing called Christianity outside of, outside of the Jewish faith. And Paul really summarized it well in this one statement. I want you to look at this one statement. It's in Galatians 2.15. He says, a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying there, people are not required to talk like, act like, or look like Jews to be a part of the Jesus gathering. Now, this really poses a huge issue for Christians today because the, the unspoken message of churches uh, to people who are not a part of church is that once you start acting like, looking like, and talking like Christians, then you can actually be a part of us. Uh, it's like, if you don't pass our scrutiny, you will be shunned. Now guys, is that what Jesus died for? No. I mean, today, it's basically seen this way in our own culture is, is, is if you can't tell me what you're against or if you can't tell me what offends you about the culture and I agree with you or, or what sickens you about a particular political candidate, then you can't be a part of the Jesus gathering, which really begs a bigger question than who actually does get to be a part of the Jesus gathering. I'm really going to be answering that question over the next few weeks because this is important. This is actually foundational to everything we believe. After Paul had received uh, his nod of approval from the church leaders, uh, something crazy happened because Peter, he was the fisherman who was one of the disciples who was with Jesus, he was actually one of the top church leaders. And this again, uh, 17, 18, 19, 20 years maybe after Jesus had gone. Uh, but, but Peter came up to Antioch. And, and Paul had established in the city of Antioch this really, really solid church, this congregation, and was made up mostly of non-Jews. But you see, Peter was a Jew who had, been, who had become a Christian, and, and the Jews, their old way was this, is Jews never eat with Gentiles, period. But as Christians, they didn't have to follow this rule anymore. And so, so Peter, at the Jerusalem council earlier, he had said, well, it's fine. So the, he goes up there, and, and now all of a sudden he's sitting down, and there are some bigoted guys who, who uh, came in, and they looked and sounded really religious, and they saw Peter eating with some non-Jews in Antioch, and they didn't like what Peter was doing. Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 12. Here's what happened. It says, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, they would be the guys with like the real Christian circumcision bumper sticker guys, okay? When they arrived, 
Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. So Peter backs away and he refuses to eat with the other Gentiles to appease their, these super spiritual guys. And I'm telling you guys, everything, everything is wrong with that. And Paul, Paul goes off on Peter. I mean, here's like two big time church leaders. It, it would it'd be, like, it'd be like the Pope and, and, uh, and uh, Billy Graham or, or something like, or, or let's even go crazier than that, uh, Joel Osteen. I mean, they're going at it in public. Because Peter was doing the opposite of what he had decided and actually ordered for the church at the Jerusalem Council. Peter was shunning other followers of Jesus so that some grouchy, angry religious men with weird bumper stickers wouldn't think bad of him. And I'm telling you, that, guys, that, that's tragic because shunning a spiritual brother is simply wrong. In fact, the only time the scripture tells us we're supposed to do that is when a person calls himself a Christian and they're causing division within the local church and they have, repeated, uh, they have had repeated warnings to stop, but they don't stop. That's, that's when we're supposed to do that, but that's it. Which actually shows us that God cares a lot about the unity of, of local congregations. But this is a totally different situation. This is actually a horrible form of prejudice. But, but the thing is, things like this happen at church all the time. So even as a pastor, I decided, you know, here as we're celebrating five years, I, it, I, I wanted it to be important from the very, very beginning that we decided that our church wouldn't do things that would cause it to be unre make it unreasonably difficult for people to get to Christ. In other words, we want to be a church that's full of grace. So, so we're not going to be a group of people who judge a person by how they look or what their background is like or what the current state of affairs is in their life or even what cultural norms they accept. And I'm telling you guys, it's not easy. Some of you who have been serving Christ for some time, you know that's not easy. It's not simple at all because the natural tendency of any church is to drift away from grace and embrace rules and legalism. But when we drift away from grace, we actually embrace death. And I'm not an advocate of death. We're not going to go there, and I can't be there. If you were raised in a home that was full of rules, and uh, everybody had to prove themselves to earn dad's love in the home, then you understand when I say that an atmosphere based on rules is deadly because you remember that, or you feel that, or you felt that. Even in my own home, the way it works as a dad, as I know this, is, is in my house, you can't earn or deserve my love. You're loved simply because you're in my family. See, in my family, you receive the blessings of the household because your last name is Woody. So you get to enjoy the air conditioning. You get to enjoy the water. You get to go to the refrigerator and open it up. You can come and you go. You don't have to knock on the door. You don't have to ring the doorbell. You have a key to the house. You understand what I'm saying? And when you mess up, you own it. You make things right, and you move forward. That's how a household should operate. That's how the church should operate. In fact, you even think about this. Think of it in an extreme case. What loving parent would ever demand that your little baby be perfect and not cry at night and never poop in their diapers in order to earn and deserve the right to have a meal the next day or even be a part of the family. But that's what a lot of Christians do to other people. 
that stinks. I'm not going to fly into a rage like Paul did. <laughs> but I'll just tell you, Paul already did it for us. That just stinks. See, here's the truth. Religion tries to box you in. Christianity doesn't. See, religion is about completing this checklist so that you can be a part. But the Jesus gathering is completely different. See, these Galatians, uh, they had basically taken faith, hope, and love, and they replaced it with rituals and rules. And why? Again, it's because it's easier. Because that way you can see who's in and who's out and who's good and who's not. So you can have a nice little hierarchy there of the good guys and the bad guys. But see, that was never God's plan. In fact, I'll say something quite audacious. Is Jesus wanted his church to be messy. And that's actually good news to messed up people like you. See, with Jesus, it's all about 100% grace. Yet it's also about 100% truth. Jesus insisted on a full dose of both. See, grace actually never dumbs down sin. Grace doesn't dumb down sin to make it more palatable. And we're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks of how that actually works. But, but I want to show you some of the contrast between legalism and grace. Because legalism always divides. But grace brings unity. In fact, God commands blessing where there's unity. See, legalism makes one person better than the other, but grace levels the playing field. You know, Jesus always, he, he always intended that his church uh, be a level playing field. I'm not more special to God than you. My hotline to God is no different than yours. I have different giftings, I have different responsibilities, I have different position, but I'm not better than you. See, legalism makes us judgmental of others but grace makes us honoring of one another instead of trying to figure out how somebody doesn't measure up our priority instead is to love and honor one another in fact the culture of legalism only honors the people who do things perfect or who achieve certain things but the culture of grace keeps us honoring one another on and on i'll tell you guys i will honor you individually regardless now, that's reassuring because every one of us have acted less than honorable one time or another, or many times or often, but we're family. And, and when we act with grace toward one another, then God's presence is here, and that's key. That's so important. I, often I, I hear this so often. That people walk into our gatherings and they say, I feel something here. I feel something unique, something that's uplifting. It's an affirming atmosphere. I'll tell you guys, that is intentional. That doesn't come by accident. Actually, what you feel more than anything is God and his presence. And it's caused by the things we intentionally do around here. In fact, we have four core values that I believe that caused us and allowed this to happen and one of them is the value of presence and i i want us to look at this value the city life core value of presence take a look at it it's, it means this it says we highly value the presence of god while we're striving to walk in unity and harmony with one another that's the key part of it but i want you to look at this this, this these are our statements and this is important for us to see because I, I stand for this stuff in church for five years i have fought for this stuff and i'm not giving up there's no signal that anyone's bucking any of this, but I'm just telling you, I'm driving my stakes in the ground once again. I'm saying this church is what this church is, is what this church is, because it's based on the word. Look at this. We know that without the presence of God, we're wasting our efforts. 
Therefore, we call upon the Holy Spirit to be present and active both in our lives and in our gatherings, knowing that God blesses certain settings with His glory. What do we do? We choose to embrace one another. The statement goes on to say, we celebrate diversity where people can, what's that next word? What's the next word? Belong. Regardless of age, ethnicity, culture, or background. Look at this next one. We honor one another without merit. Choosing to believe the best about one another. Being slow to speak, quick to listen, and eager to serve. We choose to be, what's that key word there? United in our hearts and our spirits. Assured that no force in hell can tear a unified body apart. This last one's beautiful because I'm serious about this one. We choose to stand with one another through both the joys and the sorrows of life as well as through successes and failures. In other words, we're a church of grace, and if you mess up or you're having a hard time, or you're having a difficult time, you don't have to run and hide. In fact, to do so means you never even understood in the first place. So the, the truth is, is that, so therefore, who wouldn't want to be a part of this Jesus gathering? I'm telling you guys, being raised in church, I've seen my fair, unfair, I guess you could say, unfair share of legalism. And I always, I always craved to be a part of a church where, where truth was fully upheld, yet at the same time, the church was drenched in grace. And that's our passion here. But this only works when we are actually a people of grace. It's not a guy who makes it happen. It's a group that makes it happen. We, in fact, we have to do it as individuals. It's not a Sunday thing. It's actually a lifestyle thing. The way it works is this. is Grace is basically a gift. In other words, you... You don't have to pay for it. It's given to you because someone loves you. It's like going to a Mexican restaurant and getting chips and salsa. And in case you like chips, I want some chips and salsa right now. I, I wish I could have some chips and salsa right now. Don't, don't you hate it when a, when a pastor starts talking about something and you, you can't have any? And you're, you're thinking about it. But the truth is, is that I can have chips and salsa. And, and I have uh, my Mexican son here uh, bringing this up here. Gracias. <laughs> And, yeah, Donata. Um, <laughs> chips and salsa. What happens in a Mexican restaurant? You sit down at the table and they bring you what? Like at the real Mexican. I'm not talking about chilies where you have to pay for it, all right? They bring it to you and you enjoy. Man, everybody's going to be going to the Mexican restaurants today, I can tell. You didn't order it. Nobody scoped you out to see whether you deserve it or not. You just get it. Grace is chips and salsa. <laughs> hey, I want us to be a chips and salsa kind of church. How about you? God has given me grace, and he expects me to do the same. See, grace can't be earned. You don't deserve it. God's grace is forgiveness without groveling for it grace is love without earning it grace is peace without deserving it we receive it as a gift and then what we do we, we pass it along grace is an antidote for dead religion have you ever been to a dead church where it's just all about form and ritual and people go to impress one another and, but the place is dead 
But the place is dead because they no longer care about grace. In fact, what they've done is they've engaged religious checklists. There's no freedom in the worship. There's no freedom in being yourself. There's no freedom in Jesus. You're just trying to conform so that you can feel accepted somehow in that Jesus gathering. Well, you know, even with our nation, we call ourselves a free nation, but every time another law is enacted, the truth is we actually lose a little bit more of our freedom. And in culture, in general, whenever we criticize and judge and beat one another down, the nation loses more and more of its freedom. That's actually happening in our nation. But the church must be different. We don't follow what the culture does. Come on. If anyone can say amen, that's a place to say it. The church must be different. We don't follow what the culture does. Yeah, I love it. I got you guys to say amen. Because the grace, grace is the truest of all freedom. You receive it, but you don't hoard it. You give it to everybody at the table. You pass it along. You get grace. You give grace. You give grace away. You extend it. And the person who is getting it from you may not deserve it. In fact, they would probably have a pretty hard time earning it from you. So what are you going to do? Make them grovel? Or are you going to extend grace? So to whom do you extend grace? Some of you need to look in your hearts because there are some people you need to extend grace to to open up the floodgates of the presence of God in your own life. Because what God does in the church, He wants to do in you and in your home and your household. Is it, the, is it a friend? Is it a work associate? Maybe it's a spouse, a family member, possibly somebody who burned you and burned you bad. Maybe you just need to give yourself some grace and quit beating yourself up the way your dad would beat you up. See, this, this picture of grace is like standing in a courtroom before the judge and your wrists are shackled behind your back and you know what you did is wrong and the verdict is about to be read and you know you have messed up, but the judge says, not guilty. And immediately the shackles fall to the ground and you are free as if you had never sinned and you walk away free. That's what Jesus does for you. You might say, what do you mean? I'm going to get free to, to sin again? I mean, is God taking off my handcuffs so I can go commit more crimes? Do the rules not even matter now? Well, those are great questions because we're going to talk about those over the next few weeks. But here's the foundation. The way around this is to simply be a giver of grace. When you receive grace, you give it away. You need to, and the way to do that is you've got to kill the sinner inside. <laughs> there's that negative, selfish, arrogant there's that angry, lust-filled, critical, self-loathing, depressed sinner on the inside. And you've got to kill that sinner on the inside. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Look at Galatians 2.20. It's a very interesting terminology. He, he says basically that the law declares you guilty and you get, you get a couple of choices. You can either have this, this prison of guilt and shame and condemnation or, or, or you can and you can sit there basically imprisoned on this spiritual death row until you die and move into eternal punishment or you can go ahead and die now and be crucified with christ here's what he said he said in verse 20 he said i have been crucified with christ and i no longer live but Christ lives in me. And then the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God. So you just need to tell that old sinful person in you to get up on the cross and die. You need to give up to go up. You've been made alive in Jesus. As Jesus was resurrected, you are resurrected. And his life lives in you and you get to give his grace away now. That's how to give away grace is to be alive in Jesus. In fact, band, I want you guys to come up. 
come on up, bro. I want the whole band up here right now. Because you get to make Jesus known now because he's in you. He's in me. I was crucified with him, and I have his identity in me, fully alive in me, and he's in you. Now, with his presence, you can become a person of 5X faith. You can have faith for anything because you know that you are in right standing with God. And God's ultimate desire is for you to grow in faith. See, because that's how you become spiritually mature. And and we get there by by getting grace and giving grace. My hands are free. My shackles are off. Not free to sin, but free to love unconditionally. Free to give grace beyond what I'm even comfortable doing. Free to live in 5X faith with shameless, audacious faith. Freedom to not be depressed because I'm forgiven and I'm not condemned. And that, my friend, is truth. And when we live like this, the spirit of Jesus abounds in our lives and in our homes, but even more so in our worship gatherings when we come together. He abounds in us because the spirit of freedom breaks chains. We're no longer slaves to our sin. We're free in Jesus, free to have that 5X faith because of grace, the grace that was purchased for you on the cross by Jesus himself. Guys, this is Christianity that I'm talking about. We do it by grace. And it causes heaven's gates to be open wide. It causes God to be here with us and in your home and in your business. And you can have freedom when the chains are broken in your life. And you don't ever have to look back. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.